All right. Yeah, just as we were praying there, and it obviously came through this whole thing of freedom, but there's, there's almost like three stages of freedom. There's where he makes you free. Then he wants to keep you in freedom. And then he wants you to experience the fullness of freedom. And so I just want to encourage us all to go after the fullness of freedom. So I love it. It said, do not be yoked again to the bond of slavery. So Jesus came to make us free, to set us free from ourselves, the world, flesh, the enemy. Challenges, you can go then back under slavery. So he then wants to continue to keep you in freedom, but then he wants to propel you into more freedom because it's untapped, it's unlimited. It's how much do you want to be free? That's pretty cool, eh? And so with that, Mrs. Anderson. <laughs> Gee, that sounds official, doesn't it? <laughs> if you don't know, Vera is an elder here, and it's just an absolute privilege to walk with her and have her tell us off at times and uh, keep us on the straight path. Um, so come, Vera, and share with us tonight your own journey of how you do what you do and how you hear what you hear. Thank you. Wow. Never been called those names before. Often people call me mum or <coughs> miss. <laughs> yeah, thanks Thanks for all your prayers, eh? because um, it's been quite an interesting week. And um, I think it's because we're going into a new season in, um, in prophetic language. That's weird, eh? Prophetic language. The number seven is kind of like the end of something and the beginning of another. So um, you know how God likes his numbers. They all mean something. So there is something going on. And I, I really appreciate the prayers because they feel like a, a blanket on me at the moment, like a safety blanket. Appreciate that. And then my girl, um, Julia, just texted me and said, Mom, I'm praying for you. Thank goodness. <clears throat> so thanks. Um, so where are we going to start? Greg gave me a framework to speak to tonight. And because I'm one of these people that looks at things quite holistically, you know, um, um, so thank God for the framework, Greg. Otherwise I'll be kind of like that. <clears throat> but the four questions that I will respond to tonight are these ones. And I've kind of paraphrased. Number one is how do you posture or position yourself? And you'll probably find out that I'm no different from you, actually. <coughs> you probably do the same things. And um, that's the point of prophecy, eh? Is to, the way I see it, is to normalize the things of God. So if you, all of you guys were in the same boat, we are on the same boat hopefully, you know, it normalizes it, and that's kingdom, that there's no difference in the end. We're all like that. Um, the second question is, thanks, bro. How, relation, oh, sorry, how 
I develop my relationship with God and how does he develop it with me, more like it, and how do I hear from him? Got that? The third question is to give examples of what and how you hear. And then the fourth one is when and how to dispatch. You know what I'm saying? When do you discern that the time is right for you to give it? All right. So I'll try and get some examples um, on all of those, if you like. Um, I try to steer away from the teacher that we are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stick to the testimony. <laughs> so um, on saying that, um, I just thought I'll get some scriptures out to um, to validate the thing, you know, because I could be just talking off the top of my head sort of thing. Um, so this... Um, all right, before I do that, we'll just recap on what Greg and Sam did in the last couple of uh, weeks. And um, to recap on what Greg said, uh, we are a prophetic people or race, a people who are to hear from the Father, to hear both his macro and micro plans. We are to be people who are Sorry, who prophesy his living word. Isn't that good? That's my lesson right there, finished. Okay, um, so when I was hearing that, when Greg gave me that, it reminded me of Numbers 11, 24 to 29. And those of you who know your Bibles, I should really test you, eh? <clears throat> the passage is on, who's the leader in there? Starts with M, O, <laughs> <laughs> Moses. And this is when um, the Israelites are complaining, complaining, you know. They're getting manna every day. They're sick of it, and they want to go back to Egypt. So Moses um, gets 70 elders, and they're all in a tent. And um, there, there are two other people who weren't included in the tent. And the Spirit of God falls, and everyone in that tent prophesies including our dad and me dad. There's some good names for your children right there. <laughs> Two boys, our dad, me dad. And there, <laughs> um, so even though these guys were not in the tent, they also got the spirit of the Lord and they started prophesying as well. And then um, Joshua got a little bit funny. He went up to Moses and he complained and he said, oh, you know, um, that's... That doesn't seem right that two people outside the tent are prophesying. You know, what's going on? And Moses says to him, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. There's a word for us right there. So you see, um, I can see, I can see the benefit of everyone carrying that calling, you know. For 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 what it is, you know, it builds, it encourages, and so forth and so forth. Um, how much time have I got, Greg? Quarter to six. All right. The next next big um, scripture I'm going to use here is Ephesians four, eleven to sixteen. So so that's about what the function is, the fivefold ministry, and the ministers. Uh, the five key ministers that the Lord uses to equip and build the foundation of the church. 
And then um, I'm paraphrasing now because it's quite long. It took me a minute to read it last time. Um, you see in that passage what the fivefold ministry is and their function. It is for the equipping of the saints, the edifying of the body, so that all things may grow unto him. So there is a job. There is a job. There's a job description, and I just need to get on and do it. Hey, that's what the Lord says to me. Just, just live it. Stop thinking about it. Stop writing about it. Just do it. Okay. Um, enough of the teacher thing. Let's just go to the questions. So the first question is, share how you position or posture yourself to receive. And I bet that you can resonate with everything that I'm going to say next. So firstly, I would say that everything that has happened to me in this journey, um, the training, the disciplining, the pruning, the pruning was not very not very nice, you know, because I am um, I'm quite a, a stubborn, rebellious child. It's amazing that he still loves me, you know, and then he turns around and he says, I want you to lead, help lead, help Greg, help the elders lead. And I was thinking, you've got to be kidding, right? Um, I, I, nothing in me deserves this. You see what I'm saying? So only by the grace of God. <laughs> Otherwise, um, yeah, I'll have quite a big ego. My head's big enough. <clears throat> yeah, so... By the grace of God, this thing comes. I have nothing to boast of. You know, like, like Paul says, no no way can I ever boast about this. And in the posturing as well, the positioning, it is a lot to do with the heart. So no wonder <laughs> it's been a lot of work for him to work on this stubborn heart. And... If it wasn't that he loved me, that he didn't love me first, you know how, what's the scripture that says, we love because he first loved us. And it's just so true. If he didn't show me the depths of his love for me, for you, you know, for all of us, I, um, I wouldn't know what it meant to, to love back and therefore to posture myself so I could get and receive more. Um, it, it's it, it's all about relationship, eh? So, in the posturing, um, how do I do that? Okay, let's look at a couple of scriptures. You know, in Matthew five eight, when he says, um, Jesus says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." So we see the importance of having that heart sorted. And it can only be sorted by him. We can't do it. Try as we may. The other thing that's really key amongst the posturing, um, the people that posture, like if, if I look at the lives of prophets, you know, um, some of my colleagues actually killed people, murdered people. Someone killed somebody else's husband so they could have their wife and sleep with them. And that's David. And then Moses, one of my other colleagues, he <laughs> he killed quite a lot of people, and then um, did did a lot of funny things, eh? So you see, um, 
These people are ordinary people. But one of the key things I love about Moses is that the scripture says he was the humblest man on the earth. What does it say? I'll have to do some homework. Um, humble, you know, Numbers 12, 3. Um, so those are key things that the Lord was working on this heart um, for so that I could receive and hear, hear him clearly. Very key. So um, the other thing is, um, oh, I'll tell you something about what happened at the beginning of the journey when I thought I was this really good Christian girl, you know. I knew my word, could recite psalms and sing them off by heart, you know. Um, do all the good works, take off and preach in the corner somewhere in Cuba Street. Um, and then one day the Lord said to me, actually, um, no, he actually didn't tell me. He showed me. He showed me the condition of my heart. And <laughs> yeah, being very proud, very proud, self-righteous woman that I was, uh, when he showed me this thing, it was absolutely filthy. It was just disgusting. And I, and I just went into denial. You know how you do? <laughs> you know, that can't be right. That can't be right. That is just so ugly. And so um, um, it took me a long time to get over that and to accept that that was my heart. Because here I was thinking it was a good, you know, this is a good person. But when he showed me my heart next to his, it was absolutely disgusting. And so it's things like um, self-righteousness. He hates that, you know. Um, things like um, a pharisaical spirit, you know, religious spirit and so forth. So he had to do quite a lot of work in me. But um, in early days when I would read the Bible, whenever I came across a verse or something that, <laughs> that said something about the heart, I would skip that. Because I wasn't ready, wasn't ready to face it. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll skip that bit. I'll just go to the good bits that said I was a good girl, you know. You know, everything is good. God is love. Um, don't go to the bit that convict you, you know, stay off that stuff. And it just showed um, my maturity level at the time. Wasn't ready for it. Anyway, slowly but surely the Lord worked on this heart. And so at times especially when we were worshipping with <laughs> Greg and Danielle up there, you know, um, you're, you're quite exposed and uh, you can't fool him, eh? And at times I'd feel the scalpel, you know. I could see it in my spiritual eye, but I'd also feel it where he's actually cutting the yucky bits out, like, doing, you know. Um, I'd, I'd feel it, ouch. So whoever talked about pruning this morning, that all came back to me. Sometimes the pruning is necessary and it will hurt, but it's for your good, you know. You don't want to believe that at the time, but it is for our good. Um, the other thing he, he did to the heart was, you know, I like water blasting. I love that machine. I bought myself one the other day. <laughs> the granny with the water blast. I had visions of him doing that to this heart. And what it looked like to me, <laughs> trying to look all prim and proper up there, was that 
there was this heart with rotten bits on the outside, on the periphery, you know. And he was just blasting, blasting, cleaning the stuff up. So those are some lovely pictures to remind you of how he cleans hearts. And um, at the time, it's really unpleasant and quite painful, but it is necessary. There are six pages of notes, but don't don't uh, worry. It's font 14, so I can... Re- <laughs> So I can see. <laughs> Just because you're a prophet doesn't mean you have good eyes. <laughs> Font 14, yes. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Julia and Vaughan, for printing this. Yeah. So the second question, how, uh, how do you develop your, this relationship with God? I found that really hard to answer because it's such a big thing. You know, and it's ongoing, and um, so so we see that the heart is is important. It's really key to that relationship, um, and also God has always been a part of my my life, even though sometimes um, I don't always engage with Him. You know, I only come to Him when I want something. Typical little girl, spoiled little girl. Um, but um, there was a very difficult time in our life where. It just seemed like all hell broke loose in the house. There was such chaos. and um, Now, Roy was quite ill, in and out of hospital, and I thought, I've had it, just had it, you know. Saying yes to him can be quite painful. And then in the midst of that chaos, I, I stood in the bathroom, and I was so mad. And then I hear the voice, and he's speaking, and it's, I think it was audible, but nobody else could hear it. Some of you would get that experience. I could hear God speaking, and he says to me, I want you to lead my church. And I I got so mad. I got so angry. Uh, and I remember lifting my hand up to him, and I go, you demand so much of me. I was so loud. Nobody could hear me because I was locked in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, I was so upset, you know, it, it had been a very painful journey up to then. And I thought, he did say once to me that I am interested in character. And I know that some of you would say this, how much character do you want, <laughs> you know? It, it's been a painful journey. And then he asked me to do that, and I cannot believe it. I'm thinking to myself, how dare you? This is me speaking to the God of gods, you know, naughty, naughty girl. And I, and I, as soon as I finish saying that, he says to me, yes, but I've also given you a lot. There's a word for all of us right there, you know, and it's in scripture, eh? So, and I, you know, for a person who is quite wordy, hey, Simon, very wordy, you know, words are very important to me. I had no comeback. It was just, you know, no comeback. How could I answer back to that? And I was just so humbled and floored. And and then I went back to life again and, you know, just licked my wounds sort of thing. Um, yeah, and so in that time he started training me in other things and um, 
in the prophetic and uh, I didn't know what it meant, you know. I didn't grow up in that kind of environment. So what he was teaching me about that, he then gave a name to it. But the way that he did it was that he, he knows our pride, eh? So it was like he took us through the training, took me through the training for something, and I didn't know what it was. And then in the course of a, a conversation, a very casual, casual conversa- conversation that I had with him on the bus, he kind of says something and then he drops the name of the thing in. Like, it, but it teaches us that he's not about labels, you know. Um, they're important because, actually, I don't know why they're important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, I know they're important for a reason because otherwise he wouldn't use them in Ephesians in the Bible. But, but um, you know, in, in dealing with my flesh, he, he didn't make a big deal of the thing, but he was training me to, to do it, to, to do something, you know, like about the task. And that's how he said it as well. He said, I've, I've got a task for you. I've got a job for you. And, and then he said, don't think locally, think globally. I didn't even know what that meant. Anyway... Life goes on. Um, so the, the other question I've got here, oh, how do I develop my relationship with God? So through that, sorry, um, through that, it's through um, going through the, the disciplining process, the um, facilitating of environments to develop this character. You know, like even the rock is a setup. Hey, Mel's said that before. Just in case you're wondering why you're here, it's all a setup. <laughs> it's to mold you, to shape you, and all of that. So, so one of the things he also said to me was, "Whatever's happening to you is also happening to the church. So you and me, we're in this together." So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, and so, you know how Greg's been talking about how it's about the corporate. So um, it's not about me, it's about we, you know. So what I go through, I might go through it a little bit earlier or faster, I don't know. But it's something for all of us. We've got to learn his ways, got to learn his ways. Um, So back to the relationship thing. Um, So it's actually like a normal everyday relationship, you know. Um, sometimes I don't like him. (laughs) Sometimes he disciplines me. And, um, sometimes he talks to me through other people, visions, dreams, a lot like you guys. You guys get visions, dreams, yes. You get pictures, all of that. You get the audible voice, yeah. Um, you get other people, Speaking to you. Um, what else? Oh, <laughs> the latest thing is corny songs for me. So, uh, you know, because it's a love relationship, right? <laughs> he's wooing, he's pursuing, and I play hard to get. 
And when uh, he turns his back, then I go crawling back, sort of thing. <laughs> it's very normal, actually. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. And, and so um, the songs that he sends to, to say something, you know, to like, like someone who's romancing you and stuff like that. Um, three of the songs have been really corny. And they're not the type of song that I would buy. Then there's there are things that you would hear on the radio, you know, like as you're driving by or doing the washing or whatever. But they're not the kind of thing that I would buy myself. But he must know that you know the song. So um, love songs like yeah, Savage Garden. What's the Savage Garden song? I've never <laughs> before I met you. I have been waiting for, and I think, you know, I'm not corn. I, I don't like corn, <laughs> but one of my love languages is laughing. I, I like to laugh, and so, <laughs> and, and I think that's why he does it, you know? Like, yeah, and uh, the latest song was last Friday, I, before I met you, and then <laughs> I was about to see Greg for coffee, talk about stuff. And I said to him, you know, if, if something happens to this thing that you've given me, um, I don't want to waste my time, but let me know when it's time to say something. So invite me into it. I don't want to assume or be, presumpt be presumptuous or anything like that. And it was like he, he was saying, well, it's like it's all here. And just let me know when you want it. And then he gave this really corny song. <laughs> Have you heard of um, the lady Gomez? And it's like, when you're ready, come and get it. Da, da, da. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I, and I go, I know that song. I've heard of that song. It's not something that I would buy. <laughs> but I'll go and Google it. Thank God for Google, eh? Google, Google, when you really come and get in the video comes up and I go, ooh, that's really sexy. <laughs> when you really come and get, oh my God. And then I, um, I thought, actually, quickly, 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 turn the video off, the boss might see me. <laughs> Look for the lyrics, go for the lyrics. And if you Google the lyrics, they're actually really, they're corny. But they're actually really about a love song, you know? So I thought, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And so what he's saying to us, I think, is that everything is there for us. He has given us a lot. And all we need to do is ask. When you're ready, come and get it. <laughs> corn. Lots of corn. Anyway, so the relationship is kind of like that. It's actually normal, like, um, you know, wooing, pursuing. <laughs> romancing, da-da-da-da-da. Um, the other thing is, as I get to know God and I get to know the, the nuances of his heart, because, you know, we all know that God loves us, but what does it actually look like? He's actually quite a cool guy. He's really nice. Uh, corny, but nice. <laughs> Corn, Yeah. Um, so I'll get on to the next question, 6 o'clock. Examples of how and what you hear. I've given you some of that, eh? So I'll just skip to the last thing. How do, how do you um, 
discern when uh, something is to be dispatched. Hey, that's basically what you were asking. Discern. How do you discern and know when to share the words for others? So, um, hmm. Uh, I know that most of you know this. What I'm saying will resonate with you guys as well because I hear a lot of prophecy. This is a very prophetic church. Hey, not pathetic, (laughs) prophetic. So, um, so I've got a few bullet points. So when God gives a word and it's in there, it's for, you know, like where you are is almost indicative of where he wants that word dispatched. You see what I'm saying? So in the conversation one-on-one, he, he might come in, join your conversation, and all of a sudden both of you are prophesying, giving words to one another, and they're anointed and so forth and so forth. In corporate worship, when he gives me a word, it's actually it's mostly pictures, like most of you get pictures. Eh? I can see when Danielle's got a picture when she's up there. <laughs> got the journal, da-da-da-da-da. Um, it could be a waking vision. It could be something I see in the spirit, and I know a lot of you have that as well. Um, so, so when do I know to dis- to dispatch that? It's usually prompted by him as well. All right, but on saying that, at times I feel like I'm really ready to give this word. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, Lord. And then at uh, one time I was up there and a word came and I thought I'd step out and then this grid came down and I had a vision of me looking like a racehorse, bucking, ready to roll, ready to race off. And then um, I just discovered today it was called a, a horse start gate and it comes slamming down in front of me. So he was just blocking, saying... Not, 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 not now. Um, so that's how uh, you know whether to dispatch or not. Uh, sometimes I would have a word for somebody. It could be one of the elders or leaders, and it would be a picture. So recently, I had a uh, a vision of Sandra in um, the ship. You know how we talk about ships a lot. And there's um, there's a lot of people in the in the ship, but I can only see Sandra in the middle of it, and she's just riding along with this thing, you know. And I thought, Lord, what is that about? I can't just go to her and say, Hey, you're on a ship. <laughs> there must be more. Anyway, I went home, prayed about it, just mulled over it. But what does that mean? What does that mean? And um, I think one morning before Sandra got up to got up to speak, I I got it. And it was about, uh, what did I say? <laughs> it was you being right in the middle of his will for you and for him. So, um, yeah, so so got that dispatched. Um, another word I had was for Scully. Where's Greg Scully? Not here today. So when I got that, it was at that leadership uh, camp. All of you heard what I said. And it was like, he was like this ball uh, like a, a an armadillo, did I say that? And it had scales, but the scales were in the color of the bride. You know the colors of the bride, that tealy, bluey color. And the thing is, I 
I I did not have an experience of what that was. All I could see was an animal curled up. It had scales that looked like an armor in the colors of the bride. And I thought, oh, there must be more to this. So I went home after dispatching that word. And I mulled over it, prayed over it, asked the Lord, did some Googling to see what this thing could be. And then I found this animal. I can't remember the name of it now. And it curls up and it has scales like that, like an armor. And I think the Lord was saying that he was, that armor was a protection over Greg. Wherever he hurls him, the thing was to be hurled. And so I typed it up into a document with pictures on it and gave it to Greg. And I said, you also need to keep praying that you get the rest of it. Um, so something from an example from the past of a, of a word I got this word maybe 2006, seven. Can't remember, eh? For um, Gregory. Um, now, at the time, I think the Lord was rearranging things in the rock. You know that um, I got this vision of walls that were crumbling, and um, and so Greg was this up and coming uh, leader. <laughs> And the Lord kept kept putting prayers on my heart for him and Danielle. Um, and then this Sunday, we were at the morning prayer uh, way back then, 10 years ago now, eh? Quite a while. And this word came about Greg being like the Nehemiah who was to rebuild the walls. And I can't remember how I delivered that, but I remember putting my hand again to the chest, very emphatic, because that's how the Lord sometimes pushes me to do things like that. Very personal, eh? And so I just went up to Greg and said, um, the Lord says you are the Nehemiah to rebuild the walls and so forth. And, um, yeah, Uh, so, so sometimes when the word comes, you know, you get a quickening in the spirit. Most of you get this, eh? And, and you just have to bleh, say it, yeah? Sometimes you have to discern the situation. Like even if I get a word, like the word I delivered to Sandra, you were having a conversation with Jay. I wouldn't just come and push in and go, excuse me, excuse me, I've got a word. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to discern how to do that. Um, and the Lord will make room, yeah. So, so if I if I couldn't deliver it, then I'll just sit on it and tell Sandra another time. And so, yeah, it's just listening out for Him. You know, is it the right time? Do I need to sit on this a bit more? Pray on the pray on it a bit more, and then go from there. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Hey, for examples, I I have quite a lot of stuff, but I I don't want to. Kill out your time, eh? Um, yeah, I actually want to hear how other people do the same thing. Because you'll see that my story is actually no different from yours. I, I can see when people are hit up by the Lord. You know, I can discern when they've got a word for somebody. You know, I, I can see that that someone over there will have a word for. And so he does the same thing with you guys as well. Um, uh, 
yeah, I might finish it there, but I thought I'll recommend resources. You know how teachers recommend resources. <laughs> homework. <laughs> Actually, no, 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 not homework. Um, for those of you who think that God has given you a prophetic thing, you know, the gift, and you are, you are wondering what on earth is happening to you because your life does get turned upside down, you know. Um, you don't have a lot of dreams of your own, your own anymore. Everything belongs to him. And what he does with it is his business. <laughs> so you just have to lie down and surrender and say yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there is this book here. But what I would say is not to allow resources like this to define things for you. It's the other way around. You know, like the Lord will put you through some experiences. If you're wondering why your life is the way it is, things like this help you to kind of like articulate things, you know, like it puts words to your experiences and you go, oh, I'm not going crazy after all. Well, (laughs) <laughs> maybe I am <laughs> but it does help you to put words to your experiences um, and the other thing out of that book that I've got is this little tool here and what it is is um, they're very similar on both sides if you look at the one that says prophetic development toolkit that page there on the very top Row, it's got object, and then it's got colors, shapes, contrast, feel, smell. Now, you can take this home, and if you are practicing your, your, um, your prophetic skills, if you like, you know, your revelatory skills, that's something that might help you to develop that. Um, like if you get, get a picture of an event or an object, you might want to write that down. And if you remember what the colors are, the shapes, contrast, they all mean they all mean something in the, in the Lord, in prophetic language. And um, yeah, you, it's like anything else. It's like a muscle, you know. I agree. <laughs> don't talk to me about muscle. I don't go to the gym. <laughs> but it's like it's like that. Practice, practice, practice. And so there's a, a little tool that you could use, if you like, to um, make it practical, you know, because everything in the spirit is also very practical. God is also a very practical God. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bless you. Um, I just want to maybe have 10 minutes of just questions that you can ask Vera in this area, okay? So um, I'm sure someone's got at least one question from what you've heard. It might even relate to your own gift. Um, So who wants to fire a question at Vera? There's uh, the gift of prophecy, and I believe there's the gift of discernment. Can you tell me the difference? Um, this is my experience of that. Um, discerning 
Discerning is one of those things that maybe come with a lot of these gifts because um, what you're doing when you're getting a word is discerning, discerning what to do with it, who is it for. So it goes hand in hand with a lot of these gifts. Like um, I'm sure the apostle does a lot of discerning as well. The evangelist does, the teacher does. Are you asking me what discernment is? Or do you want to know the difference? Yeah. Um, yeah, what the difference is, really. Um, just this discerning, like, uh, spirits. Um, oh, that kind of discerning. There's a light that like the discernment, and, and then there's um, this prophecy, like God speaking to you. Because I know God's spoken to me yeah. a few times, mm-hmm. but he hasn't given me, like, words, pro- prophetic words for someone else. It's It's been him speaking to me personally about mm-hmm. uh, issues. Yeah. Um, and I think to myself now... Is that prophecy? Is that um, are the words for you? They were, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have shared them with others, yeah, because I thought I should. But also at times I can through through what I've had to go through, I've had yeah quite a lot of deliverance, and I and I'm I can discern. Mm-hmm. Um, the fruits of certain spirits yep. at times. And I can see um, this, is there the, 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 what the difference is. The, there is a difference in that gift or is it p- part and parcel of it? If you're talking about the gift of prophecy, it comes with discernment. I can only say that from what the Lord has trained me in, and other people. So if you're talking about discerning spirits, that's one aspect of the gift of discerning. Like, for instance, if we are doing a deliverance type thing, I don't like the use of the word, but the Lord uses that word. It's not as scary as you think it is. If we are praying, like the last time we prayed as elders for somebody, we could discern what the issue was, and here. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in other situations, if there's like um, somebody manifesting something, the Lord will also give you a picture of what it is and so that you can discern what it is and deal to it. You see what I'm saying? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah. 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 What is prophecy but, to you? Well, what does that mean for you? A prophet is a person. I, I read a book on prophecy. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And it, the the warning in the book was that what a prophet should do was discern God's heart. Yes. And speak yes. it to the people. Yeah. What a lot of prophets it says the Bible says discern or they 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 prophesize. 
to the people what they want to hear. Mm. And, and what a lot of people, the prophets do, because they can discern in the hearts of a person yes. what their desire is, and they'll prophesize that to them and send them away um, in the wrong direction. Yeah. And they're not really telling them what God yeah. wants for them. They're, they're just kind of satisfying mm-hmm. the, the, the desires of their hearts. Yeah. And we have to watch that, don't we? Yeah, well, I'm just saying that yeah. there's a prophet can discern that mm-hmm. according to the book I read. Yeah. You see, I, saw, I feel like at times I, I've discerned things. Yeah. And what do you do with that? Do you... Well, sometimes I, I might talk to someone about it or I might pray about it. Yeah. And prophecy, do you remember what we learned? Prophecy is to build up but not actually lie to the person. Prophecy is to help build what God is building. Hey. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so... Most of the time, but I also have words for people and they have words for me to get me back on in line, just like the Lord does. Like he's disciplining me, he will send somebody to discipline me as well. So it's not all about tickling ears, is it? Got to watch that because especially in a... In, in relationships where you're buddy-buddy with people, you've got to watch. The Lord taught me that. No buddy-buddy. St- even, if, even if Greg and I are friends, brother and sister, we've grown up as siblings in the same house where God has developed us, us into these roles. I've still got to say what I have to say to Greg, and he knows I will. <laughs> he will say what he has to say to me. And an eldership... In the elders' meetings, we are straight up. And having Chris in there, he's got the gift of confrontation in a good way. In a good way. That's a good thing. We've got to be... Yeah, it is a gift. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Um, we've, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so it, it depends on how you define what prophecy and prophet is. And I think we need to understand those fully from his perspective, you know. But it'd be nice to talk to you some more about some stuff. Could you be asking? <laughs> Thank you, Vera, for spilling your heart out all over the rock. That's all right, dear. But um, <laughs> I am really curious to know yeah. this. Um, you and I both grew up in a uh, fundamentalist culture in which the Holy Spirit had done its work and we didn't have anything much to do with him after that. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what and when was it that you realized that the Holy Spirit was an intimate part of your uh, being and leading you and guiding you? Well, thanks for the question, Mr. Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it wasn't that long ago, actually, because, yes, we were at a church that was quite cessationist. You know, they were, they, 
they denied the work of the Holy Spirit, but we knew something was going on. And so um, it was when, actually he initiated it. It was when, um, yeah, when he came and said, da-da-da-da-da, let's go deeper. So I became more aware of him, you know? Yeah. Is that answering... Oh, yeah, yeah, I've already, uh, I'll cover that another day. There's so much. But I'll talk to you at home about that. <laughs> I'll sing you a corny song. <laughs> when you're ready, come and get it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I've got one just in regards of um, when you've really felt the Lord has given you a word for someone that is perhaps not a tickling ears one, but as more of a corrective kind of word. Um, obviously, there's a lot of discernment that goes into that and a, and a sensitivity. Um, it, it's probably a question around the response of the other person. I mean, it takes courage to probably give something like that. Is that right? And how do you, how would you go about it? What a great question, eh? This is so good. Greg can answer that as well. Um, and so, you know, as part of our role as spiritual parents, we have to do that as well. And um, I grew up in a culture, thankfully, that actually honoured the the confrontation, even if it's ugly, you know. We honoured the person that came because we knew it took guts. And so when in this environment, I, I still value that, but... Um, You've still got to do it his way, eh? You still got to do it. The Bible says, "Go to your brother, and you, you just, you've got to do it, and maybe get the Lord to help you dispatch that." Yeah, as as a young um, Christian, I wasn't very good at doing that. It's hard, you know. Even though it was a practice in our family, it's quite hard, and. Uh, but I think what makes it maybe more palatable is when you're in relationship. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I think if, if love's not the motive, then mm. you don't go anywhere near it. So yeah. love has to be, and you have to be for that person. Yeah. And in that, God will give you the words. I remember Steve saying, if you don't have the nature of God, then don't speak his word. Because yeah. you'll use his word as a sword and you'll cut, cut. people to pieces yeah. rather than it uplifting people. Yeah. Um, and any word is a good word. You know, a little bit before we, there was almost a sort of, oh, there's negative words, bad words. There's no negative words, they're all good words. So even in a tough word, it's a word that yeah. builds up. So it's a great word to receive. There's no negatives in God, there's only, it's a win. Um, it may be hard to receive that win, but it's a win. Okay, um, yeah. but certainly the motive of the heart has to be love, um, and then the person's response isn't on you. Um, God asks you to deliver what it is, and then it finishes. Um, you certainly would create opportunities to want a dialogue yeah. with the person if they want to, um, but really that's what Matthew five nine is. It says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." 
for they are the sons of God. So what you're trying to do is you're going to make peace, oneness. Um, that doesn't mean the person receiving that understands that, but that's where the sticky bit is and that's where the life is. That's where the real life of Christ is found. It's in the sticky, you know. Oneness is one and lost in the sticky. And there's power for division. That's what makes it so hard. So where oneness is found, division is found. Because if the person doesn't respond well, then you can divide. You're, you, that's not you. It's not your intent. And it's not. And that's why you have to know God is asking you to go. So you go with love. And you have to know you're being sent. So it's not just, well, I think, you know. Um, and so um, I don't do anything unless I know I'm sent because I know there's a grace with that as well. And I just had to do that this week, you know. I, God was prompting me. I've been sitting on something for a year and a half. And then the prompt came, the timing is now. And it was. It's amazing when... You know, you go into it going, give me the words, how to say this. And all of a sudden, the opportunity presents itself. You know what I mean? It's like it's a now because you didn't orchestrate it. You're thinking, oh, I'll wait for the right moment. And, and all of a sudden, it's a now. And then you step into the now. And what I do is I'll ask questions rather than to tell. So I'll try and prompt it with a question. And it was just beautiful. And it went there and then it continued the next day it was just amazing and yeah. out of that was like you know you go yes I heard you know it actually confirms you were hearing the right thing um, so it's a win-win across the board um, but then you know it is a matter of then of just walking with you know it's and that's the other thing if you're not prepared to walk with that person do you know what I mean it's like that's the thing is like we want to come and maybe deliver and then see it <laughs> you know, it's like no, walk with, support, guide. Um, so it's all part of it. I like it because one of the things that God wants us to learn is that, that, you know, for our relationships to grow, we've got to go there, got to go there, go and go to. And it's something that I found really hard to do in my earlier years. So it's a good question, Danielle. Thanks. Um, this could be for either you or Greg. Uh, there's been a situation um, years ago, I think, uh, when I was in leadership myself. Then I went to a conference, and at the conference, um, the people leading the conference actually um, invited leaders to go up, and then they prayed over the leaders to pray for the, uh, for the people coming forward. And in that sense, it, because it was coming through the leadership um, within the meeting, that, I don't know, I, I'd never experienced anything like it, but when I prayed for people, it was as if God gave me specific words or told me things about them because it was in the anointing of the meeting. And it was, um, do you think that, um, is that a special type of prophetic um, flow. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it tonight, aren't we, Greg? We need to practice. Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, 
I think God, it's, it's like sort of Keith's question. It's really hard because, you know, there are specific giftings and then they blend and that's what makes through you. So there's times when God will just use you and an anoint, the anointing is present and there's a power and a gracing and all of a sudden you're operating in ways and then the next day you can try and manufacture that and there's nothing there and you're like, what was that all about? And it's like you've stepped into and are operating from a gracing that God was doing at a particular time, in a moment, and it's then. And that's why you can never try and reproduce it somewhere else. But you can recognize it when it's happening again and step into it. That's one side of the equation. The other side is you develop the ability to hear from the Father in your own relationship and develop that prophetic voice and response then you can move in the prophetic. So you can continually be receiving pictures, visions, words, a word, and operate 24-7. But it's still different from maybe that sense of you know power that it's just like, man, this is flowing. I remember being in India, and I was in a, it was a music team, and I prophesied over 40 people in two hours, and I'm like, I had a word for each person. Mm-hmm. And then you step out of that and you go, what happened? Yeah. Do you know, it's like you almost step out of it and you go, yeah. I was just operating in something, but I know it wasn't me, but it was being used. Man, that was full on. Mm-hmm. And if someone said go now, you'd be like, no, because it's, it's you're working with, yeah. So does that? Answer does that. depend on what he's doing. It's a great question. We'll do Simon, and then we'll have a go at breaking into groups. Vera, I've just got a question around how long, um, like what's the longest amount of time that you've sat on a word mm-hmm. for someone? Do you write them down? Do you keep them? Do you cross them off if you feel, no, that's not, that's, that's not what he's wanting to bring anymore? Um, I think just to kind of break down in all of us, there are moments when we don't step out in boldness at the appropriate time and uh, or or the other way, we're too bold and it's, and it's not the right thing to do. So, yeah, if you can answer, I suppose, firstly, what's the longest amount of time that you've, you've sat on something um, and moulded over with the Lord? I love what you were saying, how you pray, you mull over, you take that time to to bring forth the picture to clarity. But um, but then, you know, it could be too long. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, when, I, when I was lucky enough to, to stay at home as a, a full-time mum, I would spend all day. <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily to receive stuff, it was just being with him. Um, but, and so... I would probably take all day or all week to mull over something. There was uh, something that I was seeking the Lord on in the very early days here, and it was for Greg. It was for the next chapter of The Rock. And I remember thinking, I'm, I'm really scared to do this. But the Lord gave me a strategy, and I sent this email to Greg because he's saying to tell the church, if you want to do anything about my church, to please consult me. There's a lot of implications there. Eh? It's a loaded comment. 
loaded statement. And <laughs> so I thought, ooh, this is scary. And so he, e- I emailed him, you know, and just passed that on, and it was off my... But it took me a while to sit on that. Some things doesn't take long, you know. It's it's a uh, it's clear cut, and it's it's a full message in a minute. And sometimes you might have to sit and pray over them. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Just so it's clear. Uh, when Vera sent me that, I was not was not the senior leader, so I was on staff, but Bypass. I was not the senior leader. Um, I'm just wondering what the difference is between people in the church getting, like, just just all of us just getting prophetic words and a prophet. Oh, good question. Eh? We all get prophetic words, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Everyone does. The, yeah. Shall I answer that? All right. Now, you know, um, over the last couple of weeks, we were talking about the fivefold and how these people, what are they? The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, teacher, and the pastor. They are people that the Lord approaches and asks to play this role, to be the foundational pillars to build up a body, and so they are, they are called officers because they have a governing, is that right? They have kind of responsibilities. They're, it's a job, and they are chosen by the boss. So he comes, you know, like to us, he's asked us. It wasn't elected in a democratic process, and some of us, accept it willingly. (laughs) Some of us play, do a Moses. But that's the difference. So all of us can prophesy. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts and each of us can prophesy, some more than others. But the officers are a little bit different. They have a job. Okay, how do you know that you are a prophet? Yep, there is a gracing or a power that you receive that you'll know. So, so when you read Ephesians, it says there's a gracing that God gives each gift, and the gracing is different. And the grace means power. So, there's a power inserted into you to to fulfil your function as an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor that other people don't have. So you and you know it because you've received it. And it's part of the calling. So it would be like quite a radical empowering within a person. And they'll find themselves flowing and seeing things that other people won't. So a prophet rightly divides the word of God, sees what someone said, what God is saying in the moment in time, along with the apostolic, and declare it for a macro purpose. Other people don't have that gracing. It comes back to this tension again between you saying so do you need to have a prophet to be able to rightly divide the work and no one else no people can divide the word of God 
but you have a specific rank and a function as a prophet. So you, you want all. But there's a grace and there's a power to, to operate in the task that God has given. So an evangelist, they sneeze and people get saved. Do you know, while someone else is learning all these steps, trying to get it all in order, an evangelist has a meeting and just sneezes and people go, oh, God, how do I because there's a power, there's a grace and there's an anointing on that person for the building up. And it's the same for each one of those giftings. But it's power, basically. But there's a power that we all receive through the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes it try to tricky to put words to something because it's both and more. Um, and yet ultimately have to see it in the Spirit and hear it. And you go, ah, got it. You know, because people say, well, if God builds by the Holy Spirit, then why does he need these five gifts? What's the point of them being there? Well, they're there for the purpose of building. You know, so Apollos watered, Paul planted, but God grew the church. So he puts it in. It's for the purpose of actually oneness. So he divides himself out. So we have to be dependent on one another. And so he does it that way. So it's like, well, I'm going to split myself in five. And I'm, I'm going to, because he gives those gifts. They're ascension gifts. I give them for the building up of the church. So I break myself into five pieces. So you have to rely on one another, because you're not all the Christ. But when you come together and you walk in discipleship with the five, that's how you can hear the best, because you've got the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, hearing and then the body of Christ gets to presented to the, to the measure those gifts are in. Him. Yep, I have a gift. Yep. Okay. As in, well, that's up for us all to. So, yes. From my perspective, from an allyship perspective, yes. But that's each person has to, you know, Jesus said, who do you say I am? So right there he's asking those guys, am I the Messiah? Am I a prophet? I am a teacher. So each person has to recognize that for themselves through their own relationship. Does that make sense? Because otherwise you'll go, oh, that's just Vera talking. Same with me. So if I come and I share something, okay, and you go, that's just Greg, then you'll receive it as Greg. So the weight of the word is just as Greg, not as an apostolic father speaking a word from heaven that's been received from heaven, and it's Christ's word. Can you see the difference? It's radically different. If you only see me as a brother, then you'll give the weight of my word as a brother. If you see me as an apostolic father, then you'll give the weight of an apostolic father. But I can't make that. So all I am to you is who you say I am to you. I can't make you. You've got to go, I see that grace, so I receive it. So for me personally, I see a gift of profit on Vera. And like both our giftings and everyone else, they're growing. So you don't get the perfect person. <laughs> it's growth, and as it's maturing, as you've heard, her battle with God for actually to even want to be. So the person has to agree. You can have a gifting, but actually fight it your whole life. I don't want that. And you don't choose this gift. You actually don't really want it. 
because you know with with it comes much. Okay, so it's so yes, from eldership and my perspective, yes, but then you guys have to give that yes from your own heart and mind because that's the decision you have to make. I hope you would because the eldership is acknowledging it, and as a family we're walking together. But you know you can't mandate that; you've got to come to that place yourself. Does that answer the question? Okay, we can talk talk maybe a bit more. Um, you know how you go, you sometimes go to the big meetings and um, you're called up and a prophet will go through you all and will, will give you a word. Do you think, because... Um, from something that happened here a few years ago on a co- another course we would do with um, Furnace, um, sh- if we receive a word from someone, should we go to someone else to make sure that it's right? Because I sort of felt there was a little bit of, um, you know, the clairvoyance stuff coming in. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, we're sitting there told to do a prophecy and we'd never done it before and I thought, oh, some people making it up or have some, could there be someone who's bad coming, a false prophet coming in? How do we... Does it's it, your discernment yes, again, eh? Yes, so is our discernment through checking it out, checking it with the Bible? The word is always confirmed, eh? Or you can seek the Lord as well. Question. You can great actually question. seek the Lord. What do you reckon? I, I never take anything on merit in the sense of I'll just receive that as is unless it speaks to me and I know through my own development relationship I know that's him. So any word you get, any picture you get as a rule of thumb, put it to the side. That's nice, thanks, I put it over there. And as you develop your relationship, if it is of the Lord, he'll bring it to pass. So you don't have to worry about he will if it's of him. Now, you might go straight away, go yes and amen. You'll have such a conviction and a yes that you'll know that you'll know that you'll know. Okay, So you just put it on the, I just say put it on the shelf, and then he'll bring it to pass if it is in the timing if you're still not sure. And that's how, because we, we're not going to have the time tonight, but we'll do it next week and we'll have all of next week. Because as we step into this, okay, yeah, you might get some flesh coming out. In fact, you probably will. Okay? But that's okay because he said, come follow me, and they weren't perfect, and they were trying to kill people. So unless someone's trying to kill someone, we're all good. Okay? That's what put me off the prophetic thing because when the Lord spoke to me, every I just saw a whole lot of performance, and it put me off. That's Yeah. <laughs> and that's the power of being in family, really in family. So... Let's just say you went somewhere and someone in another leadership gave you a word that you weren't sure about. Then bring it to your family, your leadership, get those people involved to discern it with you and then let God speak. So that's God puts protection mechanisms in place for us. If it happens here by an elder or anybody, bring it to the leadership and say, look, this is what I got. What do you think? And then allow the time. There's no rush with this stuff. And sometimes it can be. Sometimes the wackiest things are actually God. But we don't have the eyes or the ears to hear it in the moment. 
and then it comes to pass, you know, like, um, Jackie, can I just share what you shared with us just yesterday about, or maybe you, sh- could you share it just about that? Um, we were in your dining room and the window and what you saw from three years ago, but there was no, you know, it was like, what's that when he showed it to you? But now what you're doing now makes perfect sense. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm kind of trying to think sort of where to start. So, um, it was actually so at women's group a, a few weeks ago, um, someone was talking and said something about uh, harvesting a garden, and I just felt God, like, in my mind, I kind of felt like I wasn't in women's group anymore, transported back to this moment and this dream that God gave me in 2013, um, which was actually in a hospital room in Germany where my husband had just had brain surgery, so it was this really out-of-it sort of situation, and I had this dream that I woke up in the morning and I had to write it down because I knew it was a God dream, but it made absolutely no sense to me. Um, and in the dream, I, I remember it absolutely clearly. I don't remember any other dream of my life except this one. And in the dream, I walked into this house, and it was a really big house, but it, and I've written all this stuff down, and I read, read it again the other day, and it was, I walked into this house, and it was a big house, but it was empty, and I walked into the dining room, and there was this really big dining room table, like a 10-seater dining room table, and the window was the same size as the dining room table, like this really big, long window. And the house was empty, but I knew that we were going to live there, but it wasn't our house. But I had this really overarching feeling that the house was safe, Um but it was it was empty. It felt very empty. And then I walked outside. I looked out the window, and there was huge vegetable gardens and just heaps of people who I didn't know in the flesh, but they were friends, harvesting the garden. They were just busy in the garden, and they were they were you know they were there was like wheat. They were doing the you know the real gardening, and um and these just huge gardens, really abundant gardens, and there were heaps of children running around outside and. I felt connected to these children, but I didn't know if they were mine, but I had this strange kind of connection to them. Um, and then I walked outside, and this elderly lady walked up to me. I don't know her. And she bent down, and she picked up an apple off the ground, and it was um, like if a bird picks all the flesh out of an apple, and all that's left is the skin, and it's that weird sort of dried, but still got the shape kind of. And she picked it up. And she, in her other hand, she had some apple seeds, and she put the apple seeds into the apple and and pushed it together, and then took my hand and put it into my hand and covered my hand with hers and said, "I'm going to teach you how to graft apples," and that was the end of the dream. Um, and then through a weird series of events, about six weeks ago, we became the house parents at the House of Grace, um, so home for teenage mums, and we walked into this very large house <laughs> that's not ours. <laughs> That was empty that we were living in now. Um, And walked into the dining room and there's this big dining room table and a window the same size, you know, mirroring. And it was just this moment of like, wow. When I had that moment with at Joe's house, I had to go home and find this journal and read it. And I was like, wow, the window and the mirror. And and for me, it's just been, at the time, the dream made no sense, but I knew it was really important. And now it's four years later. um, And I've, like I shared with Greg and Danny yesterday, that I've had this kind of huge couple of weeks and it's had that confirmation that it's just been confirmation yeah so cool thank you thank you i love those bits there were kids in the dream i knew they weren't mine but i was connected to them 
and that's what the House of Grace is obviously about with mums that have children. Um, we've run out of time, but that's cool because obviously God wanted to do this tonight. Let's we've got about probably ten minutes, so we can have more questions. And then next week, what we'll do is the whole night is we're just gonna what we're gonna I'll, I'll explain now. So what we're gonna do is gonna do groups, and each group will have an elder in the group, and we're just gonna have some you know some music playing and stuff, and it's just about hearing from Him for one another. So it'll be like you've probably done it. Maybe we'll have someone who will select as the, the first guinea pig, and uh, and then we'll just wait on God. <laughs> guinea pigs are nice; they're fluffy and cute. Um, hear from God, words, pictures, and stuff like that. Okay, so I really want to encourage you to come. Don't be afraid of this stuff, because we're called to be prophetic people. We're called to have you know words, macro words, micro words for people, for strangers, for people on buses, for neighbours, for our family. We had the privilege of Steve giving both our girls insightful words while he was with us. Uh, we didn't ask for that. He just actually said, I've just been spending time with God. And we've what we've done is on an, Danny did it, put on A4 paper, we've laminated it, and it's on their room. Three specific words each. Nailed it. You should have seen Lily and Maddie. Their faces were like, how do you know that I walk around with a microphone and sing? That's Lily, you know. How do you know that? You haven't seen me doing that. You could see as he was just speaking her future into being of what that actually was. Um, so I think we call, what is the time? Is it about 10 to? So let's have maybe more questions. Thanks. Uh, so just uh, reflecting on what we've been talking about tonight, and I know that in my own life of faith that there have been times when I've been called on to, uh, I call it the cold steel, you know, to step out and do something that I, I definitely didn't want to do. So relate to what you guys are saying. So it's really just sharing this as a point of encouragement for those who would maybe have recognised, have seen something, but have possibly thought that it's, that it's not coming from God. Uh, where you know, there's one situation, it seems to be, for me it seems to somehow be associated with death or near death situations are pretty extreme where I felt God prompting me to to go and do something and and I, I can't say that this this has not happened very often in my in my Christian walk uh, but when it's come it's been very clear and there's almost it's almost like there's been no uh, choice in the matter if you like and a uh, point of encouragement also is that I, I, I believe and I've experienced that the Holy Spirit does precede us, that he does go before us in a situation like that. So one of these was where I um, I was asked to, uh, felt that, uh, that God had put a, a person on my heart to, to go and, um, and see them in hospital. Uh, this chap was... 
he was dying of cancer, and so I journeyed for him with him for a little while. And then one night I was heading out to the hut to go and see him, and and I just felt it was God was saying, right, you you have to go to him, and you have to ask him if he'll give his life to God. Uh, and I, all the way out there, I was protesting and um, very reluctant. One of the problems was that this chap, his cancer had got to the stage where he had lost all his nose and half his mouth. So it was all, everything was wired up. So he couldn't speak. And God said, well, you, you, you must ask him uh, if he can believe in his heart and speak with his lips. And I'm saying, you have got to be joking, God. I can, this is the most terrible thing to ask him. So I went, went out there, spent some time with him, stuffed around, but stayed there. And, uh, and then I went over to him and uh, he looked at me and he said, just said, Peter, you can ask me anything. So it was this, was like that. It was God had gone before me, and what I all I needed to do really was to turn up uh, and even fluff around, and that He would sort the rest. So, and it was a beautiful moment. Uh, we continued the journey together, and He was very strong on His Christian faith. On as a, as a new Christian. It was very exciting and very powerful. So it's, uh, you know, say one or two others have said it, I think sometimes it's just turning up, you know, and trusting that God, or in my case, maybe not even properly trusting God, you know, 10% instead of 90%, but that was enough to get me there, front up to him, and, uh, and God did the rest. It's good, eh? The beauty of that is he'll take your ten percent. He'll multiply it. It's Vicky, isn't it? Vic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it's a private joke. <laughs> hey, um, you know, you ask the question, how do you know? You know, the the prophet from the people who prophesy. And the gift makes room for the man. Or woman, so the the person doesn't have to force to show or to prove that gift or establish. Well, I'm a prophet, so I'm coming out to prophesy. In the sense that there's, you know, he stirs in your heart, may show you something, and you, with baby steps, might share it, speak a word to somebody, and wow, that was right. Or you share it with the with the leaders, whatever, and just as that's coming to pass because it's a gift that he empowers within you and then you share it and it's wow and again wow and again wow well this is this seems to be something that's happening and one thing I'd, I would do it God was powerfully putting something on my heart and I think oh I should share it but I'm too chicken <laughs> so I won't but then I'd hear somebody else say it I think well that's what I was thinking 
So I learned out of that to say, well, Lord, is this you speaking? If it's you, will you confirm it? Will you have someone else share it? And out of that started to grow to know, well, that was you. Or, well, no, that one wasn't you, that was just me. (laughs) But as as I discerned that, I was able to start to hear God speaking in, in different ways. And I really believe for whatever the gift is, the, the gift is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work. He's the one who makes room for the man to walk into that. We don't barge our way through. So it becomes revealed, the power of the gift that's working within us. So we can rest. We can rest in him because it's, it's of him and not of ourselves. I hope that helps. Anyone got a question you'd like to ask here? Are there different types of prophets? Like you get the ones that come visit and they, they're giving out words for people that they just see, you know, they're standing up the front and, and doing that. Um, and we've heard in our teaching that it's for the building up. So almost like um, uh, within the body, um, it, the, prof- the, pr- the office of the prophet is here within the community for the purpose of building up. But when someone comes in from outside, Maybe they're still doing that, but it's sort of a different type, seems to be a different type of gift. I don't know. There are varieties of prophets, just like the ones in the Bible, you know, people that act out messages, people that get sent and don't want to do it, like the guy that got swallowed up by the big fish. You know, there's there's a whole variety of prophets. One of the things I think you might, Want to confirm this, Greg, or not? <laughs> um, one of the things that I sense about this job is that there must be relationship with the people. And, um, yeah. So as much as I would like the glamorous thing, <laughs> you know, going off and giving words and then taking off to America or something, there, there is something about staying and building relationship with the people. Hmm. I, I think once again, every, every situation is different, and so you can have someone as say a prophet, and once again they're maturing. So let's say in their gift of an office gift, they haven't yet come into the realization of the fullest or the fulfillment of that gift. So they start with, let's say, blessing words. So we talked about the blessing word and the building word okay, in the teachings. So they all they know is hearing from the Lord for that, for Jay, right now. They actually don't yet know that part of that gifting is to be able to discern what God is doing in the macro and deliver it. Okay, So that's one possibility. Another one could be that God says, I just want you to prophesy blessing words. So I don't want you to go into more than that. So in your message, it's whatever the message is, and I'm just he's just that person's going to minister like anyone else could. So that could be a reality. So it just depends on where the individual person's at in their overall understanding of the whole purpose of God. And each one of those giftings is growing. So sometimes evangelists actually think their first place priority is preaching to lost people. 
It's not. It's actually building up the body of Christ. So, but because they're so, I've got this thing, and it's like, let's go into the world. You go, no, no, you've got to walk with an apostle and a prophet to understand the macro, the big picture. And then does that mean they're not going to do that? No, they're going to do that as well. But it's secondary to their primary objective. And that then requires humility and all those things. So it just depends on the actual person themselves and where they're at with their own maturity and growth and understanding what's even on their life. Like I've said, I, I had no idea I had an apostolic gift until eight years ago. I thought I was a very frustrated evangelist because <laughs> that's what everyone told me I was because I love lost people and was very comfortable in the presence of lost people. But I had this deeper thing in me that I felt weird and disconnected, like I've said, from my kids, from my wife, that they weren't the be-all and end-all. He was. And in my own relationship, he started to show me this is actually the gift on your life. And it's been growing and it's still continue to grow. And the other thing I felt the Spirit just say to me say is that there's not just going to be one apostle here and one prophet and one. He wants to raise up apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists because that's how he builds. So if we were to ever send a people, I'd really want to send a fivefold because that, to me, from my conviction, is how he builds the church. So at the moment, you know, we bring in other giftings to help with the building process, but my heart is to see all the gifts, not just those five, all the gifts. And if we ever did plant a, a people, a church, then you'd plant a fivefold. You give the best shot, man. You've got all the gifts operating. You know, it's quite expensive flying in people from around the globe. <laughs> and that's his plan, you know. Get the foundation sorted, and he's in there. So it's a it's a great question because you know you, and that's where I think, once again, as we're growing as the church, you start to realise that maybe some of the things that you've seen or thought, aren't quite as they are. You know, it's like we talk about prophecy. You know, it's like well, that's prophecy or prophetic word, is a word for me individually that someone. You just heard prophetic word tonight. You know, this morning's a prophetic word. So it's breaking those mindsets that prophet, prophetic words is when the prophet comes or is within speaks. It's, Thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Y- and he know, might. <laughs> every, every time you're speaking, if it's a future reality, you're a prophetic race bringing prophetic words. You know, to the lost person, you're speaking prophetically. You're talking about a reality they don't know. It's prophetic. It's got a heartbeat. It's the future. The future can be realized in a decision. But, you know, as we'd be looking at, there's massive prophetic promises still to be realized. So, one more question. Um. This might have been talked about earlier. I'm sorry I'm late. I had a work thing. Um, Last week, following on from our session, I went home and was talking to my flatmate, who's also a Christian, um, just about what we've been learning. And he was like, that's kind of fascinating, but I don't believe in prophets or apostles or anything. And the argument that he said, and so I'm I'm just wondering how you... Anyway, um, the argument that he said was, 
that apostles and prophets and teachers, evangelists, pastors, they are all in the past and they don't exist now. And I was sort of like, why? <laughs> um, and so I guess what what I'm trying to say is what would you – what argument do you give, like, biblically and all that stuff to sort of say this is – this actually is possible now and it is? Yeah. If that makes sense. So the gifts are irrevocable. God gives them, he never takes them back. And so the gifts are always given. Okay? So he never takes so that and this is this is a great question because once again in the body of Christ there are different theological viewpoints on everything. This is what's caused division in the body of Christ because we go, No, that's wrong, this is right, that's right, this is wrong. You know, so it's like oh yep, there's three versions when he's coming back. I believe pre well, I believe mid. Well, I believe post. Jesus is not confused. He knows when he's coming back, and he's only coming back once. Okay, So it's the same with this. People have their opinions on truth. So I ask people, where did you get your opinion from? If it's not revealed to you, you don't have an opinion that really matters. It's your opinion. It has the weight of your opinion. Okay, God is interested in his truth. So Personally, I believe in the fivefold because the Holy Spirit revealed to me the fivefold. He took me on a journey and said, this is how I build. I want you to build according to that pattern. And as I've lived in that and understood the fruit and the life that's come is there for everyone, for me to see. Yeah? So the challenge is, is that we all hold knowledge, but where did you get it from? Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. Yet. Yeah. We actually think we can know God without God, and that's where we get our knowledge from. So the challenge is you'll never win that over an argument because everyone's got scriptures to back their arguments. It's about seeking the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveal, and are you in the life of what you believe? When he was talking about where he got this information from, he talked about a pastor. And so it's so funny that you just say that because it's so, it's so true. It's like, where did he get that from? He got that knowledge from a man. He didn't get it from God. So that's a real important point. See, I'm just going to pass it to Sam, but see, here's the challenge. See, if, if which, which one requires submission to one another and which one doesn't? Which one requires submission to one another and which one doesn't? And God's whole purpose is to bring oneness through submission, through weakness, through surrender. So he does everything. His whole point is to find her. Do you realize that God sets everything up, everything he's put in place is to find her. Her is his faithful and obedient people to his ways. So he creates this explosive, dynamic environment and then he steps back and he breathes spirit and he goes, I wonder whether these people will actually follow my process of love and submission to me and one another. It challenges the heart of man. So we go, no, I don't like the fact that someone may have authority over me. So we push that one aside and we find a pattern that we like because I quite like the fact I can be a freewheeler and no one is, a, I'm not accountable to anyone. 
Well, in my family, I was accountable to my dad and my mum. You have to be accountable to someone. Yeah? Oh, I'm accountable to God. Well, that's really nice. So am I. That's why the church is in chaos, because it won't actually follow the ways of God. And once again, yes, has there been bad leadership? Yes. Has there been abusive leadership? Yes. Has there been counterfeit leadership? Yes. Risky business following Jesus, isn't it? And that's why love covers. So man will always create or disbelieve to facilitate his own belief. Everyone does it. The lost do it. There's 10 ways to God so I don't have to stand before the God and face judgment for my life. And we do it too. Well, I think, well, I think, well, I think. Well, God's not really interested in what I think. He's interested in what he thinks and whether I surrender to his ways. And if you do, you have the life of his ways. And if you don't, you don't. But it's just so easy just to justify it away um, because there's no consequences to it. And all the meantime, not actually being the body on the earth that the world will look at and see Christ in. You know? And I think, to me, the verse in Ephesians is key, and it says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the built... Oh, um, no, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a mature man and to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And I find that interesting. You know, he says he's given these gifts until the time that the church grows up to the full measure of stature that's in Christ. And so to me it's interesting that people who they, they write off God's pattern and yet they don't live out the mature life as a body and reflect the head, which is Christ, you know. Yeah. And so I think the reason why we aren't as a body in that life is because we're not building or not allowing him to build according to his pattern, you know. And so we throw it out and we're not going to get the fruit of, of, of what he's asking and looking for. So, so much wisdom here, eh? And I'll, I'll just tell you because, you know, we, we, we see what the world is teaching. There's no other pattern that works. I believe in my heart. I've studied for years, done psychology, whatever, whatever. There's no other pattern that will work, which is why it is worth doing this. It's worth following him, you know. It's worth it. Um, cool. Thank you. He was preaching, eh? Really anointed, that word. That was cool, Vera. Thank you. Um, Yeah, thank you. I love you guys. Um, I almost packed my bags to go, but no, I'm just joking. (laughs) The Lord, um, the Lord is good. God is good. So next week, come expected, come hungry. Start praying now for something for someone, okay? For a word, picture, whatever it is, um, and uh, we'll have fun next week. Have a cool week.